Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. Well, we made it. The Super Bowl has come and gone. Uh, and wow, what a season. I mean, you know, we, we made it with no, no canceled games. The NFL did a great job, um, so all credit to them. But I mean, yeah, we've got a lot to get into with this with this uh, podcast, with the Super Bowl. Not exactly what we expected. Probably one of the worst games that the Chiefs had played in the Patrick Mahomes era. Uh, and we get Kelvin Del Valle back on the podcast to talk about it, recap you know what went wrong, why the Bucks were able to pull away, uh, and and really what each team has to do to get back there next season. But it's a great conversation, so let's get into it. Here he is, Kelvin Del Valle. We now welcome on a very special guest, uh, recurring guest, friend of the program. It's Kelvin Del Valle. Kelvin, thanks so much for coming on. No problem. Absolutely. Anytime. Love it. Yeah, we are recording about 25, 30 minutes after the Super Bowl. Um, the season has ended. And I'll be 100% honest, at the beginning of the season, if you're talking about like most likely scenarios in terms of betting, I have to imagine the Bucks Chiefs matchup and Tom Brady pulling out a seventh Super Bowl is probably a pretty favorable uh, matchup, more more than most, right? Like you think about Super Bowls in the past and just the craziness of of, of how things go. But everybody was giving the Bucks a lot of Super Bowl love, uh, and and everybody you know obviously understands how good the Chiefs were coming off of the Super Bowl. Um, everything you know coming up to this point made sense, but once we got here, it was unexpected to say the least at least for me for me i don't know about you uh yeah i think i think a lot of people thought this was going to be a dream come true but didn't expect the dream to actually happen um and so when it all came down to what people called the baby goat versus the goat i think it was good that we had two weeks to actually process what had just happened in both championship games to get to like this moment and um I just think it's unreal. So many storylines just just fit the run that that the Buccaneers had to go through. Uh, not only that, but Brady himself. You know, I didn't get a lot of things right this this season. I picked a lot of games horribly wrong. I think if if I go back and listen to my show, I think I picked every single wild card game incorrectly. <laughs> but I did I did get one thing right at the beginning of the season. I said, look, I don't think it's just chance and just a circumstance that Brady happened to pick the team that's hosting the Super Bowl it's never been done I just don't think that's a coincidence he's too methodical for that to just blow by his head and not think that Tampa's gonna host a Super Bowl and sure enough he just he just did it again yeah and and we talk about a lot on this podcast especially you know teams that maybe try to dive into the quarterback situation too early or they try to you know basically hope that they can get the guy and it'll fix all of their needs. But you look at this Bucks team, the way they're built and the guys that they added, you know, after they got Brady, these guys were ready to receive a top level quarterback. And my, my first, my gut reaction was for this Bucks team is all right, you sped up the clock. Now your, your uh, competitive window has shrunk, letting Jameis walk signing Tom Brady. Now you have to win a super bowl or, you know, none of this was worth it. 
They've won a Super Bowl. Yeah. It's now worth it. But the real question is, I mean, Brady didn't look bad. He looked, I thought he looked really good. It's kept in control of the game. Didn't make a lot of bad throws. Had a very high completion percentage. Um, I mean, it's tough because you look at guys like Manning, uh, both Mannings, technically. Um, you look at Drew Brees in the divisional round. They fell off a pretty hard cliff, right? Manning, Peyton Manning won his Super Bowl, um, but it was largely due to the defense. Eli got benched for sure. Daniel Jones, and, and Drew Brees looked awful in that divisional round game. Uh, I mean, there's a temptation for Brady to retire, to retire on top, playing some of his best football. But if you're Brady, you know, knowing how competitive you are, are you still shooting for eight? Or is this, you know, do you, do you call it quits? Well, he told us at the end he's coming back. Um, at the end of his little speech there when he got mm. his MVP award. I didn't think, even if they lost, I didn't think he would retire. Uh, he's, you know, his very famous saying, um, I don't know if you watched that little weird video for YouTube that Gronk and Brady did when they're sitting on beach chairs outside the stadium and they're asking each other questions like who knows someone better or something mm. like that. And one of the questions asked to Brady was, hey, what's your favorite Super Bowl ring? And his, his famous line that he's always said is, it's the next one. Yeah, yeah. And I just I, I just can't imagine a place where that guy's not hungry to win more and more. Um, and, and we'd have to look at the specifics. And I don't know if we know it off the top of our head, but I think that team can pretty much stay intact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't look like they're going to – like a bunch of those guys are just going to leave – um, and so if they can stay intact, I, I don't see why Brady, like he said earlier, just says we're, we're coming back. I mean, at least you got to try and defend it, I, I suppose. But the guy's will to win and like his drive to win is a hunger that that's rare in a lot of athletes. And until his body, I think literally physically tells him I can't take a seven step drop back anymore. I can't imagine a world where this guy isn't playing football. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a very good point. And like you said, this Bucks team is not uh, fading away. You know, they've got a lot of young talent. Devin White and Antoine Winfield were key pieces to that defense. Vita Vea. I mean, those um, linebackers. Been, you know, yeah, it, it's it's an incredible group of guys. And a lot of credit goes to Jason Light, the GM. He he drafted, a, like, this is homegrown talent. Mike Evans, sure. Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, all those pass catchers. Uh, and then you look on the defensive side of the ball. Almost all those guys have been grown or developed in-house. I mean, Shaq Barrett was a, a, a situational pass rusher in Denver. Comes to, comes to Tampa Bay and sets the world on fire, right? So so they're they're growing and developing so much talent that it's it's incredible to watch. And, yeah, I mean, there is temptation to go out on top and to play as high level as he did. But it's not like this is the end, right? Like these are the same – they can essentially run it back with sure. almost identically the same group. Uh, do you and know still... off? Oh, sorry, I was gonna ask. Do you know off the top of your head, the guys that they signed right before the season are they are they on one year like expiring contracts? Just that they just want to come for the ride. I think or... I think Fournette signed a one year deal. Let okay. me look. I'll, I'll look it up here um, while we while we talk about it and see uh, who their pending free agents are because I I think. Um, you know, there, there's a, it's not a lot of guys like, okay. So Shaq Barrett, uh, who signed a franchise, I think he was on the franchise tag. So he's, he's, uh, and I can't imagine they team. let him go. Levante David, Rob Gronkowski, and the Dominican Sioux, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown. Um, just going through the list. I mean, LaShawn McCoy, um, 
uh, Chris Godwin, that's going to be a big one. Um, mm. But really, you think about the key players on that defense, they're all still there, the key playmakers. Um, whether or not you you bring back Godwin or A.B., Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller look more than ready to, sure. to, to bring it back. Um, yep. So they're they're in a very good spot, I think, and they're not losing enough key free agents where it's like, all right, this is concerning. But the the young core is still there, and and Tom Brady's still there, as he said yeah. at the end of his speech. So that's really what counts. But yep, I want to look at the other side of the ball. This was okay. a horrible night for Patrick Mahomes running for his uh, for his life every time he touched the ball. Um, and I thought, you know, having those two deep safeties was really, uh, you know, a lot smarter plan. I, I think that said they ran at like 89% of the plays tonight, which was the most by far the season. Um, I'm trying to remember, it's got to be like week 11 or week 12, where it's talking about the way to beat these uh, elite quarterbacks is to be able to get pressure with your front four. That means you don't have to send any extra blitzers. You can still uh, rush the quarterback and, and get to him. And the Bucks did that in a big way. I read a stat, Patrick Mahomes ran, 497 yards after the snap which is most by any quarterback this season right and and obviously some of the you know about 30 some of those were rushing yards but the other 460 were him running away from from pressure and I mean Patrick Mahomes played about as good a game as you could given the circumstances no time banged up offensive line receivers are are letting balls hit them in the face uh bounce uh, Tyreek Hill missed one that bounced off his face and then yep um, who was it? The other one where he just, he leaned sideways and was throwing it, you know, yeah, I don't even know how he got that ball off parallel from the ground. It was a perfect ball that just hit him in the face. Like yeah. for, for Patrick Mahomes, I mean, looking at this entire thing, you, you cannot blame it on him. Um, and I don't even know if you can blame it on the receivers. It was just an unfortunate circumstance. They had one, I think it was Eric Fisher was the only guy on that offensive line that was a starter week one that played in the Super Bowl. So there was just a, a, a lot of issues there for them. Um, I mean, and, and they couldn't stop Tom Brady in the Bucks. That defense was mm-hmm. was getting penalized left and right. And people are saying, you know, oh, there's the refs and, and all this and that. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I did not see one call where I was like, this is an egregious miss. You know, like I I thought they I thought that a lot of the season they'd called, you know, they let him play a little bit more, especially in that conference championship game. Bucks and Packers, they they let a lot of things go. Sure Um, did. So but but that's a different game, right? Like looking at all of these calls that they made, uh, I thought they were very justified. And you could say, oh, uh, uh, and I'm looking at that drive at the end of the first half where they call that pass interference uh, two Mm -hmm. two calls when Mike Evans was running a route. And some people are saying, oh, it's not catchable. Well, if you let him finish his stride, if you don't mess yeah. with the route he's running, he's probably going to catch that ball. Yeah, right? Mike like, Evans is six five too. Like exactly, if anything, he can reach. Yeah, so I mean, I can't think of one thing to pinpoint on this Chiefs loss. Um, I thought the Bucks had a great defensive game plan. I thought they came out to play, uh, and the Chiefs just couldn't convert. And I, I think it truly is as simple as that, unless I'm missing something. Well, I'm gonna attack the. Uh the the refs blew this game crowd and the penalty crowd kind of piggybacking off of what you said because I don't care who you are if you watched the entirety of that football game the refs didn't lose that game the Chiefs just yeah they just sucked they just I mean they, it was plain and simple they were not good at mm-hmm. all they didn't do anything well the special teams was probably the best thing they did all day 
Um, that even was their then, best even unit. then it was a little shaky, you know? Oh yeah. The punter. I mean, both punters looked a little weird. I mean, it was just a weird start, but to the people that want to throw out the penalties and this, this and that, it's like, look, uh, at some point the refs are going to make calls, but that's not the reason in any way why this team is not holding the Lombardi trophy mm-hmm. tonight. They just didn't have it. And Tampa Bay, I don't know whether it was just playing at home or what it was, but they they knocked everything out of the park. I mean, Todd Bowles, the guy that's famous for blitzing, blitzed five times all night long mm-hmm. and was able to maintain and hold Pat Mahomes and all those speedsters that they have. And so I, I didn't like the Twitter craze of, oh, no, the refs. Oh, here we go with the refs. When a lot of them, to me, were very obvious. Um, but that's not the reason why Kansas City's not not going home tonight as champions for sure. Yeah, if if your if your main takeaway after watching an entire you know sixty minute football game is that the refs gave this to Tom Brady, like you hate Tom Brady, you know. Sure. And I hate Tom Brady, right? Same. Like he's taken away probably multiple Super Bowls from from me as a Colts fan, and, right. and you know even with you know Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning throughout the, the my whole tenure as a Colts fan so for me to say that for you to say that because we're in the same boat here and, and having to play against them for so many years I mean it's it really was you know you're not going to win a Super Bowl scoring nine points right like plain and simple kicking three field goals you're not going to win a Super Bowl over two um, in the red zone yeah it's um I, I I just I I can't really wrap my mind around why people may assume that you know that was really the case that it really was just uh, uh so um so let me ask you was this do you do you the more you think about it and we may have to sleep on this but the more you think about it is this was this just an anomaly we'll never see this Chiefs team perform this bad again or did they maybe get a nice humble pie lesson today. I mean, I, I think it's it's a little bit of both, right? Okay. I, I thought the Bucks did a great job of taking away the deep shots and kind of forcing Mahomes to dink and dunk. Which, you know, I, I, now that we now that we look at it and we've seen him do it, I don't know if he's patient enough to to just take sure. those short throws, right? Like he wants to unload, he wants to take the deep shot, and that's part of the reason why um, he was running around so much was he's waiting for these things to develop. I thought Clyde Ed- Edwards-Alaire ran the ball really well. I thought he had a good game. He was very efficient and they just simply weren't giving him the ball enough, but I think you're right. We are going to have to sleep on it. Um, I think the bucks played a great game uh, in terms of getting to him, but both lines for the chiefs are a big uh, point of emphasis going into this off season. Like there is one guy uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And that's Chris Jones, who is really good at football. The rest of them. I mean, Frank Clark is iffy. The rest of those guys, this isn't a, a, a full unit. And the offensive side of the ball, yeah, there were some injuries. There were some COVID opt-outs. But those are the two areas that they really need to address. Like, I think they have a good enough secondary. I think um, they have, you know, elite pass catchers. They've obviously got Patrick Mahomes. But they're not winning games in the trenches, and they've been able to be bailed out by, you know, Tyreek Hill taking the top off the of defense. The Bucks took that away. The Bucks got consistent pressure on Mahomes, and they struggled. So I'm not saying that, you know, it's anyone's fault in particular. It was just a little bit of unfortunate, you know, injuries and all that stuff. But going into the offseason, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs spend maybe their first three picks on uh, in the trenches. And I'm, I'm 100% okay if they do that. Sure. Sure. Because, I, I mean, 
they don't need help anywhere else, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they, they've got the pieces to sling the ball around. Um, for them not to be able to, I mean, it was, you know, tough with injuries to not protect Mahomes, but, you know, they, they started out the game, I don't know, the first couple of drives, there was a couple little cute plays they tried, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, boy, here we go. It's like if, if you know that Mahomes – I just thought their game plan was a little weird from the get-go, and um, Tampa made him pay. I mean, yeah. uh, they, they made him pay. So ever since they played that game, what was it, week 11, week 10? Yeah, so week 12, in, something like that. Something yeah. like that. In Tampa, after the Chiefs jumped out to 17-0, I mean, they figured out how to play with them late in that game, and Brady made it a game late, and they didn't get the ball back. Um, fortunately, they lost. But since then, Tampa's figured it out, and – Boy, they did their film study this week, and they did everything they needed to do because it didn't look like anything that that the Chiefs tried to do worked in any way, which is weird because I, I did I hear Jim Nance and Tony Romo right to say Mahomes has never lost a game by double digits in his career. Interesting. Did I hear I, that right? I have to look into that. I, I mean, it makes sense because I'm that's, thinking about all his losses. They've been close. They've all sure, been very that's, close. That's, that's insane, and so. Yeah. For Tampa to do that in such a dominating fashion, and I don't know if it was just written in the stars because of Brady, uh, but whatever it was, it was d- executed to perfection. Yeah, uh, you couldn't you couldn't play a better game than that. Yeah, huge credit to you know Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich. I mean, when when they lost those Chiefs, they were seven and five. Like they essentially yeah. said, you know, the playoffs start now for us. Like sure. they were in the bubble of making the playoffs at all. Right. And they did not lose a game since they were one of the hottest teams in the NFL. I mean, that's the definition of getting hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought they did a really good job. And and in the playoffs, even playing, you know, they played some really good defenses and they put up 30 points consistently. Um, and and I mean, good for them. All credit goes out to them. But yeah, it, it's unfortunate for for the the Chiefs to uh, you know, and not only that, but looking at it from a bigger picture in terms of the Mahomes versus Brady conversation. Brady ha- or Mahomes had a chance to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, take the lead in the head-to-head series, and on top of that, cut into a Super Bowl lead. Now only down four, you know, only in his only his third year as a starter. Now he's down seven to one in the Super Bowls. Uh, he loses the head-to-head battle. Is this goat debate like? Is it is it finished? Is it unreachable for yeah, Mahomes over. to even touch where Brady's at? I think it's over. Um... Because I think we're not even talking at this point about Tom Brady as the greatest football player ever. I think we we are now having to move that conversation to is he the greatest sports figure on earth? Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Um. You know, we kind of talked about it when you were on my show. He he he's kind of entered that era of Tiger Woods, Michael Phelps, Roger Federer, like. Usain Bolt type of like yeah, Serena Williams, where, yeah, where, like just like like these are yeah Serena Williams where these are just like the greatest athletes this earth has ever produced, and in a in an ultimate team game at the most important position, the guy has done it seven out of ten times on the biggest stage. I, I just can't imagine a scenario where Mahomes, as great as he is, th- I mean, this is just so hard to do. Like it's so hard to win one Super Bowl. Brady is very famous for saying that it's it's hard to get seven i mean it's it's insane you have to have the right system and everything in place it's funny i saw a um twitter is so great people if you're not on twitter get on twitter they supply you with so many things 
there's a Twitter graphic that compared Mahomes and Russell Wilson's first three years or something like that. They both lost in the first round. They both won a Super Bowl their second mm-hmm. year. And then their third year, they both lost to Brady in the Super Bowl. Um, and so it was just kind of weird parallels like that. But no, I, I actually let, let's talk about that a little bit because I love okay. that look of things because you think about what Wilson had at his disposal. One of the best defense of all time, the Legion of Boom. Uh, a great running game and Marshawn Lynch, a lot of receivers to throw the ball to. And we're thinking the Seahawks are set up for a dynasty. Sure. Like these guys are going to come back. It's very similar to what we're looking at with Mahomes, mm-hmm. right? Like he's got elite pass catchers. Let's keep in mind, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey are getting older. How are they going to supplement that? The Seahawks have effectively swung and miss on yep. every draft since then. I can't, you know, there, there's a handful of guys that are even starters on their team, much less, you know, key difference makers. Right. And, and so the difference between a Brady and a, and a, and a um, Russell Wilson legacy is really how can how can you keep that up consistently? When when Travis Kelsey gets older, who are you going to go out and get to replace him? Who are you going to who's going to be the next Tyree kill? How are you going to keep the defense playing an elite level? How are you going to make sure the offensive line stays, you know, as consistent as they are? So I love that you brought that up because it's so true. We're talking about, you know, Mahomes. Oh, he's going to be back. He's going to go. Maybe not, sure. right? There is no, there are no guarantees in the NFL, and especially looking at how similar, like you just said, their careers have laid out. The Chiefs don't hit well in these drafts in the next coming years. Who's to say that they're not a team that perennially wins 11, 12 games, 10 games, and then can't make it back to the Super Bowl? It's going to be very interesting to see how the conference plays out because Tom Brady's been able to dominate the AFC mm-hmm. and was able to dominate the AFC for – such a long period of time that it was just kind of a foregone conclusion. He was going to be in the championship game. It was just a matter of, was it Manning that's going to get there? Was it big Ben Roethlisberger? Was it Joe Flacco? I mean, it was just one of those three. And so uh, it's interesting to see now on the outlook, and we'll have to wait for some quarterbacks to end up moving around how the rest of the AFC is in a shape for Mahomes, because I think we both agree he could probably dominate his division. His division is probably not the greatest right now. Um, but outside of that, I mean, are we sure about Josh Allen? Are we sure about Lamar? You know, you guys need a quarterback, and I think you're there. Can the Titans ever play defense? Is Miami going to come out? I think there's more question marks to where Mahomes will have a better chance of getting back to, to maybe than what Brady was dealing with. Because mm-hmm. Brady had to deal with prime Big Ben and prime e. Payton Manning, and, and Joe Flacco when for some reason we thought he was a great quarterback, and those Raven defenses and, like, I just wonder how the conference will shape out for Mahomes to give him the best chance to get back here. Yeah. And it's, it's just interesting because, you know, there truly are no guarantees because what happens if the Texans cave and they decide to, to give the Colts uh, Deshaun Watson and they give them their next five first round picks, right? Sure. Like that's, that's a tough, that's a tough team to go against. Obviously yeah. it's a pipe dream for me. I would be something I love, but like, you know, if you look at the way all of these things lay out, it, it's such an interesting, um, conversation to you know because i agree with you i think that the chiefs are the class of the afc but um you know the bills make a couple moves in the right direction they shore up the running game they're an elite team the titans add a couple pieces on defense they're right there in that mix you know the colts if they find a quarterback they're there the dolphins have those pieces if they can put it together who knows um so yeah it's nothing's a guarantee absolutely so it's something worth looking out for um, and, and it's something worth tracking over the next, 
you know, five years. And I'm interested to see how we're going to look back on Patrick Mahomes' legacy. You know, obviously he's a guy that um, is, is a transcendent superstar. Like in his third year in the league, he's accomplished more than probably 90% of the quarterbacks that come into the NFL will ever do. Right. And and so it's just incredible to watch, but winning is hard. You know, Aaron Rodgers is is a, a guy who you would identify as a, as a transcendent superstar. And he has one Super Bowl. He's been to one Super Bowl, you know, so it, it, it's hard. It is a team game to the fullest expen- extent. It's the hardest It's the hardest sport to win a championship in, in my opinion, just because you have to have 53 guys on the same page, not to mention a coaching staff, you know, uh, with, a, with a strong general manager organization from the top down. It's, it's tough. It is very hard to win. And, you know, we, we can't take for granted Tom Brady winning seven. It, it's just mind-blowing. I heard um, I heard Romo at the end of the game <clears throat> make a uh, make a statement that Tampa has the lowest winning percentage out of any team in the four professional major sports hmm. as a franchise, and Tom Brady just flipped that in a year. Yeah, it's just it's just unreal. You know, sometimes when you hear athletes talk about like, you know, when 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 some superstars move to a different city and go somewhere else, there's just like there's just like a different air in the building the next day. It's like, you know, when LeBron comes to Miami or goes to the Lakers or Brady goes somewhere else or like, it's just different. They bring something that, that I, I will never be able to explain. And I, I don't know how to explain it, but Brady just did that perfectly. And guys just keep lining up to play for Tampa. We saw that as soon as they signed him, what was yeah. like a month later in that month, five or six guys, just free agents. Well, I guess we're going to Tampa Bay. Yeah. I got, so, got Gronk out of retirement, Leonard Fournette, yep, who played yep. a huge role in this playoff run. I sure. mean, gave him a consistent, a consistent running game for sure. So I, I just think the great ones have that type of that aura, and and Brady's Brady's back back on top again, which is unreal to say after we thought that dynasty in New England was just done, and he was done, right? Yeah, he's he's back playing the Super Bowl again. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting, and you know, I'm I'm interested to see what the Patriots do in this offseason. If if Bill Belichick's got a little bit more motivation to prove that he can get his guys going, because look, this year so. this year was unique. You think about all the COVID opt outs; they lost their you know twenty the a quarterback who's been there for the last twenty years. It was a weird year, so I think you know as as sports fans, we're willing to give Bill Belichick a little bit of a pass because a lot of their starters um opted out to COVID I think they had some of the like the most uh, number of guys um but now going into this offseason they've got a little free agent uh they've got a little spending money for free agents they've you know they've been linked into you know various guys um I'm interested to see what what Bill Belichick and the Patriots do in this offseason sure because I think obviously people understand how much of a role Brady played in that dynasty being a dynasty for you know 20 years um but let's not act like Bill Belichick just sat on the sidelines and yeah. did nothing. I mean, yeah. come on, guys. Like, the, the guys won six Super Bowls, sure, to Brady's credit as well. But let's not act like he just, you know, sat on the bench and just watched football happen. The guy established a culture and and and, and is an unbelievable coach. Um, so I don't think he's – I think you're right. I don't think he's done Yeah, trying to do something else at the end of his coaching career. Yeah. What it is, I don't know, but uh, I'm looking forward to whatever he decides. Well, I to, think uh, you were the one, uh, did you bring this up a couple weeks ago that 
we had seen an Instagram post where Deshaun Watson in 2022 had been linked as like the quarterback yeah. to be in New England. And this, this was crazy. Well, and this was before this was like I think four Brady years even ago, left. Or something like that. Before yeah. Brady even left for the Patriots. We had talked yeah. about it on your show where it was like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, Deshaun Watson was the the betting favorite to be a mm-hmm. New England Patriot 2022. And and you were like, ah, oh, maybe Vegas knows something we don't. So sure. that's it's very much in play because we really don't know where Deshaun Watson uh, will go, but that definitely puts them in the playoff conversation, if not more. Um, sure. So who knows? Uh, but speaking of another quarterback that got traded, uh, and we're going to end, we're going to talk about this. We're going to end it here. But Matthew Stafford to the Rams didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. We'll talk about it this week. Um, I mean, people are talking about that, that now the market has been set, you know, two first round picks and who knows what Deshaun's going to go for. But to be completely honest, I think the Rams were willing to give up an extra first round pick just to offload the uh their quarterback and jared goff and to offload the contract the contract on oh him. like uh, it's it's it wasn't equally weighted i think they had to get it was a brock osweiler situation where yeah they got a first round pick uh to give up to get matthew stafford but they also had to give a little bit more uh to ensure that jared goff would also be going to detroit i also think sean uh, sean mcveigh and that organization i think realized win now mode is like active like they yeah. they got to go win now yeah and as, as much as, and I'm sure they're thankful for Goff and everything he did, but they just needed like an extra push and umph in that, in that passing game. Um, and he just wasn't it. And so when you can get a guy like Matthew Stafford and get rid of a contract that a lot of people really weren't fans of to begin with, and you got a lot of guys, I mean, look, the Rams for the past, what, three years have just gone all in, mm-hmm. in every situation. Yeah. They're trading everything away to get Ramsey and everything away to get a bunch of guys in. So haven't had a first round pick since they drafted Jared Goff in 2016. That's right. Big trade they made with the Titans. The Titans ended up getting, yeah, we got, and they, and they they won't all those guys till I think 2023. So they're, they're without first round picks for a long time, but I mean, you're right. The the window is, is slim. Aaron Donald isn't getting any younger. They've got Jalen Ramsey. They've got guys to pay Cooper cup, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby. Um, they, they might've found a, a nice stud running back in cam acres, but you put, you put uh, Matthew Stafford in that situation. I think he plays like a top 10 quarterback. And if sure. the, the Rams have it and he plays consistent, which is the biggest thing, like these Rams went to the divisional round of the playoffs with a, a guy basically playing with a guy who had a, a messed up thumb. imagine what they can do with a fully healthy guy who can play like an elite top 10 quarterback and play that way every Sunday. I mean, this is a Rams team. I think that can win 11, 12 games. They could win, you know, and and they can win the NFC West, which has now become, you know, I thought it was good last year. Just imagine this year, the Cardinals are getting better. The Seahawks are, are, you know, going to be at that 10, 11 win range. The 49ers are getting healthy. This is a, this is a, a division that could win 10 games. Everybody could win 10 games. Yeah, and as an organization, you can't all of a sudden be fourth in that division. Yeah. After a year where you're battling for first, you've been battling for first, you can't all of a sudden drop to fourth because you just mentioned Russell Wilson still in that division. Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are only going to get better. And the 49ers, they could land a quarterback. that When they get healthy, they could be better. So I think the Rams were right in going in now because the division doesn't get any easier, you know, here, here on out. And something on Stafford, I, I saw a lot of hate on him and, oh, well, he hasn't done anything in the playoffs. He's been hiding in Detroit. But if you watch this guy play football, like – It's incredible. I think Aaron Rodgers made the quote, 
He was like, you know, he's been doing no look passes before like anybody else has. Like the stuff that he does, the way he plays, his heart, and the poor guy's been hurt a lot, but he's been doing some crazy stuff. And hopefully he can translate that now to the biggest of biggest cities on earth. So if he can deal with that pressure and have Sean McVay call plays, I mean, it, it it's a match made in heaven to me. Yeah. One more thing on the, the NFC West before we move on, talk about what it means for the Lions. Are the Seahawks the worst team in this division now? Like you look at everybody else, everybody's moving forward. I think they're getting continually better. And the 49ers also have a good pick in the draft, but the Seahawks are now caught up in, you know, a lot of big contracts. They have to pay Jamal Adams. They can't let him walk. They gave two first round picks for him. Um, So they're kind of tied up in a weird spot in the cap financially, their offense and defensive line are pretty much in shambles. Like they do not have one solid guy. I think that can be consistent every given Sunday and, and, and is a leader on either side of the ball, maybe Jerron Reed, but that's about it. Um, You've got great receivers, a great quarterback who, by the way, is turning 33 next season. That was crazy. crazy. I did not know he was that old, but he's not getting any younger. The window is closing and they're in salary cap hell, essentially. Like, I think, I think you can make the case that the Seahawks may be the worst team in the NFC West come next season. Yeah. I'd have to figure out what the Niners do at quarterback. If they decide to stay with Jimmy or not, if they land Deshaun Watson or not, or something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, I will say the only consistent thing that Seattle has going for them is Russell Wilson's worth anywhere 10 from 10 to 12 games a year. It just guy just seems to pull out 10 to 12 games. Mm -hmm. Um, So they have that going for them, but we've talked about this many times. Protecting the guy is a problem. They can't protect him. Yeah. You look at at Mahomes in the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter how good the quarterback is. If you cannot keep, give him a clean pocket for three to five seconds you're going to struggle and look at the guys that he's playing against in that division. Yeah. Bosa, Aaron Donald, and down there in Arizona is Chandler Jones still over there. I mean, so against really good head coaches and I think all three other teams, um, I don't think you're wrong. I just have to wait on the Niners to see. Yeah. Uh, But I don't think it's crazy, which is, which is crazy to think that Seattle could be the fourth best team I mean, we thought all four of those teams were going to make the playoffs this year. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it may sound like a, a slight to the Seahawks, you know, but I still think they're a 10-win team. I just sure. think the NFC West is so good. Everybody else, it feels like to me, is trending up because the 49ers getting their guys back, automatic boost. They've got a great pick in the draft. They're in a spot to trade up and maybe go after one of these guys that they could plug in right now and play. Um, but, you know just looking at everybody else, they're trending up and the Seahawks may be the only team that's staying the same. And at, and at that point you might as well be trending down. You know, if, yep. you're, if you're not moving right. forward, you're moving backward. Right. Uh, but yeah, so the lions uh, get Jared Goff, get a whole slew of picks, two first round picks. Uh, and I think a third this season. So the, the first in 2022 and 2023, and then a third rounder this year. Um, I do not think, week one of the 2021 NFL season, Jared Goff will be the starter. I don't think so. Whoa. Okay. You don't think he's ready. You don't think he's ready to break some kneecaps, you know, out of everybody. And I actually <laughs> talked about this. It's funny. We talked about this in the podcast when, when they had, when Dan Campbell came in with the, with the press Holy conference, cow. the guy who I think fit the bill the most and the a team that was actually in the conversation for Matthew Stafford w- would be drew Locke. If they could somehow package Drew Locke, send him to Detroit, 
that's a dude that that's going after you know he he biting what is it biting kneecaps off or what i don't know i think so something like that yeah i think i think that was quite the interview but yeah so uh, you know jared goff to me is a i mean and i could be completely wrong but he comes across as a this mild-mannered guy who puts his head down and goes to work and nothing really seems to phase him he doesn't make a big fuss in the media but drew Locke is that you know the guy who's got a lot of swagger like he could be down 30 but he makes a 45 yard pass and that dude and he might as well be at 30 points you know so I don't know if Jared Goff embodies everything that Dan Campbell wants from this Lions team, um, which is why I think that they're in a perfect spot to go and get a guy like Trey Lance or a guy like Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson makes so much sense for Detroit. I would love if they went up and got him, but um, Jared Goff to me, just especially in a worse situation. I mean, the Rams system might be one of the best in football, you know, like in terms of, I think Sean McVay got the most he possibly could out of Jared Goff and, and once he gets moved, people are going to see just how much he struggles, you know? And so it's a tough spot for him to be in for sure. But I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't see Jared Goff being at the very least, you know, maybe he starts week one, but at the end of the season, he's not going to be the starter. That's interesting. Cause I, I didn't think about them potentially continuing to add picks and players by moving off of Goff as well. Um, I don't know if after... they trade him. I don't know if they trade him, but I think that, you know, there's the conversation to be had of, moving up in this year's draft and using some of the picks from that trade to get uh, the guy, get maybe he's just a bridge guy, but I can't see it's not, it doesn't make sense rest of the season. Yeah. I can't imagine him being extremely successful either. Even if he was to start all year. I mean, I, I just saw that Kenny Galladay may not want to be there. Mm-hmm. And so who's left Marvin Jones. Well, if he's, he's gone, a, he's a free agent too. He's linked he, yeah, to, he, he to go to be, LA with Matthew Stafford. Sure. I mean, he could be gone too. And, and, and those are uh, two good wide receivers that just, are hidden over there in Detroit. Yeah. So if he doesn't have those guys, I mean, what, I mean, what are we looking at with, with the offense? Not, not a lot. So uh, it wouldn't shock me for them to just go full rebuild. I mean, that's usually what happens after losing a franchise type of guy quarterback. Yeah. Especially with a new head coach too. Um, so I, 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 that's interesting. I, I'd be curious to see if who would explore bringing him in. I can't imagine the list is too long for teams that would be willing to just, take jared goff right now yeah i i think the best case know. scenario and like i don't even like that's what i'm saying when i when i said that you know that extra first round pick was a little sweetening of the pot i don't think you can you can get something for jared goff with that contract with the way he's sure. played recently like i think you have to give something too um so Play i think him it's for just, six games and then see if he does well and trade him yeah i i think it's just best for them to eat that salary um, and like you said, rebuild and, and maybe, you know, draft a guy in the first round this year. Maybe he's the guy of the future um, and you can, you know, square away that quarterback situation there. But it's a weird spot. I don't love the Jared Goff move, but if it got them more value, then I mean, hey, why not? Sure. I mean, if it brings in your next quarterback. Yeah. Go for it any day of the week. Yeah. All right. One last thing before we go. Uh, I talked to you about this at the beginning of the show, so I gave you a little time to think about it. Um, okay. But we're talking next year Super Bowl predictions. Way too early. Um, we'll preface it with that. Not legally binding. If we have you back on the show, you can change your answer. And I will probably Good. change my answer at some point. Uh, but I'll go first. Uh, I think the Chiefs go back yet again. I, I don't see right now, realistically, another team beating them. Um, looking at the way they're built and looking at how everyone else is built. Um, but then in the NFC, gets tough because there's a handful of guys. You know what? Let's get crazy. I think Matthew Stafford and the Rams, I think they meet the the Chiefs there. I think that's what John McVay needed. I think they take 
the league by storm. Uh, and Matthew Stafford is, is the guy. Uh, and they steamroll everybody. And, and it's a Rams-Chiefs Super Bowl. Um, but I got the Chiefs. Chiefs over the Rams. Super Bowl, what is that, 56? 56. That's my, that's my pick. Um, I have bet too long and too hard against t- Tom Brady. So if they can keep that thing intact, I see no reason why they're not playing in LA next year for the Super Bowl. Hey, that's kind of funny. You mentioned the Rams. They could be playing in their own stadium that's next right. year too. That is right. Um, I see no reason why he's not back there. And the AFC is kind of interesting to me because I, I, I do think that the Chiefs may have a little weird season next year. I don't know if this will rattle them too much, but I think they understand there's some things that maybe need to change. Um, boy, this is tough because there's so many quarterbacks like like one quarterback could completely change his conversation. Exactly. Yeah, so exactly. I, I think I'll be safe and I'll just go. I'm not sold on Buffalo. Indianapolis needs a head needs a quarterback, depending on who that is. I'm not sold on my Titans. Uh yeah, I think I'll just I'll just go repeat of what we just saw. Yeah, let's run it back. Maybe it'll be I a think, little closer I think this we time. May, I think we may just yeah, I think we may just run it back. Hopefully it's closer. Before we end, can I tell you my favorite moment of tonight? Absolutely, yeah. I, I think so, I know what it is. I'll say mine too. Um, but we might have the same moment. I'd be shocked. Now, if you saw my Twitter, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. No, I didn't see. I didn't see. Okay. So. so I'd be shocked if you know what I'm talking about. So okay. midway through, I think, the third quarter, when they went on their last touchdown drive, uh, Brady threw a seam route right down the middle to Gronk. Uh, he ran for, I don't know, like 30 yards or something like that. Well, I went back, and something seemed very familiar to me. I don't know if you watched the NFL films top 100 or whatever it was with Belichick and Collinsworth and Rich Eisen. Mm-mm. They were talking about the 100 greatest players ever. Well, Brady, of course, being on the list, he had, they invited him to come in. And he told the story about one offseason back in 2011. He worked out with Peyton Manning down in Knoxville. Mm. And they just talked about football and they had some workouts and they just had a good time. And Manning showed Brady a certain protection that he used a lot to get Dallas Clark open a lot in Indianapolis. Mm. So when Brady went back to new England, he goes to bill O'Brien, who was the uh, offensive coordinator at the time. And Belichick says, Hey guys, can we implement this, this, uh, this protection? And it was like a counter play where you kind of sell the run, but it's really all in the quarterback to sell the run and then tight end right up down the middle anyway. And so they took that protection and Brady said in that interview, literally Gronk would never be the player that he is today if it wasn't for us using that protection. And so I went back and I watched the video and sure enough, Brady today on that seam route to Gronk is pulling the center on that same package that he stole from Peyton Manning 10 years ago. I just thought that was insane. I'll send you the video. I'll see if I throw it on my Twitter. Yeah. You can check it out, but it's the exact same thing. And it gets Gronk wide open. That was my favorite moment of the night. I was like, that's crazy to think about. So no, that's anyway. awesome. That's awesome. No, mine's a lot different. It's it's a lot more um some would say childish, immature, but I thought it was hilarious. Uh it was oh, the I know. when uh <laughs> when Antoine Winfield broke up that pass on Tyree Kill and, and got down right in his face and threw up the peace sign. I mean, look, you give it, you gotta be able to take it. So this sure. this was probably the first time all season where Tyree Kill got a taste of his own medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I love the dude. He's incredibly talented, so fast. And you know, like, like, but, but for Anton Winfield on the biggest stage as a rookie 
to just get down and, and, you know, he, like, it was a squat down, like throw up the peace sign. I mean, I, I love it. I thought it was great. I mean, sure. It wasn't, and he you know, was smart. He was smart because it was on fourth down that that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't, he didn't call. There was like no, a, that was the perfect uh, yeah. time. They were up 31 yeah. to nine. That was the perfect time. If you're ever yep. going to get an unsportsman penalty call, that was the time to do it. Yeah. It couldn't hurt you in any way. So, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Well, Kelvin, this has been a great show. Thank you again for coming absolutely. on always a pleasure getting a chance to talk some football with you sure absolutely anytime